0: It's good to be here. My name's Steve Young. I'll introduce myself a little bit. Uh, I have uh, I've been a pastor in a couple of churches for about nine years total, and been going here about a little over two years, and uh, God led us to this church uh, uh, for a very good reason. It's a wonderful church, and I'm happy to, happy to be here, happy to fill the pulpit this morning. And I'm glad Jeff's feeling better. So he had a little bout with the flu. You know, we're getting ready to start a, a new year, and, you know, you know we all make these resolutions. We know we're not going to keep them, but we all make them, don't we? And I've been making them for several years. I know several years ago I said, you yeah, know, I'm going to lose five pounds this coming year. Well, next year I said, it was 10 pounds. The year after that it was 15. I'm up to 30 pounds I'm going to make a resolution to to lose this coming year. You know, I have the best of intentions. You know, but... I'm starting to find out intentions don't bring results, do they? That's the same thing in our church work. We have good intentions, but sometimes they don't bring results. So I want to look this year, this coming year, what contributions are we going to make? What contributions will we make? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you today for all your blessings that you give us. I thank you for the wonderful music and inspiring uh, uh, people that have musical ability to sing and to play, and thank you for that. And Father, well, I just ask that you'd bless the the reading and and preaching of your word this morning. And may I not misuse your word in any way. And Father, I just ask that you'd bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be looking at the fifth chapter of Ephesians, and uh, I'm going to read uh, verses eight through twenty-one, but I'm going to concentrate mainly on verses fifteen through twenty-one. But just to keep it in context. I want to start in in verse 8. Again, thinking about the coming year and and what we can contribute and how we should live our life to contribute to God's kingdom. Verse 8, it says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention that the disobedient what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is the light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then verse fifteen. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I want to look at these verses and, and relate them to this church. In verse 15 it says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. You know, start thinking about you know, what, what I could do. How could I live my life? to reflect Christ more. And then specifically, how could I interact with this church? How could I help the church fulfill its mission? And I started thinking, well, you know, I need to study and I need to meditate upon the Word more. I need to become more Christ-like in, in, in everything that I do and, and be more active in the church and using, using the God-given gift that I have uh, to further the, the common good of the church, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I first thought about this church. So, you know, the answer to every question is on Google, right? You can find that on the internet. So I pulled up our website uh, on the internet, and I looked at our purpose statement, and our vision statement, and our mission statement to see what this church was was really all about. And you'll see those up here. You know, and, and, You know, I'm not a planner. I I worked for the conservation department for thirty years, and we did a lot of planning. And I always kind of cringed every time a planner came into one of our meetings because we were always developing some kind of statement to guide our work. But they're really important. And that purpose statement that you see up there: we exist to please Christ by fulfilling the functions of a New Testament church. Now, a purpose statement is why we exist. Why do we exist? And it's written very good. You know, we exist to please Christ, fulfilling the functions of a New Testament church. Make it our goal to please Christ. But how do we please Christ? How do we do that? Sometimes we feel inadequate in pleasing Christ. You know, John 14, 15 says, Christ said, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And then later in Matthew, Matthew they ask Christ, what's the greatest commandment? And Christ replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And second to that is love your neighbor as yourself. How do we please Christ? We love God more. Love your neighbor more. And we need to do that in the coming year. And fulfilling functions of the church. Well, what are the functions of the church? You know, Acts 2 tells us that. You know, that we are to teach. We're going to have fellowship. Now, we're Baptists, and fellowship to us is a meal, right? It's pot roast and, and all, the, all, the, all the fixings. But true Christian fellowship is about sharing together what God's doing in our life. It's sharing together our needs and, and how to meet each other's needs. And fellowship is about sharing together in the common bond that we have in Christ Jesus and our relationship with Him. Fellowship is not an activity. Fellowship is a relationship. And the fellowship activities are, are a product of our relationship with Jesus Christ and relationship with each other. And then Acts tells us breaking of bread. Well, we're good at that. We like sharing meals together, don't we? Every time we get together, we, we share a meal. And then it's about prayer. I made a commitment. I'm going to pray more this coming year, and I'm going to pray for the lost. I'm not going to just pray for Aunt Gertie toe. We need to pray for the lost. You know, God's got Aunt Gertie. We know where she's going, but we need to pray for the lost in our in our community. We need to pray for our church leaders. Pray for our Sunday excuse me. It's still Sunday school class to me. I'm sorry. Our connection group teachers. We need to pray for them. And Pray for each other. Pray for our fellow church members. And then our vision, vision statement. A vision statement is what? It's what we're going to do, what we're going to look like in the future, how we, how we achieve our, uh, our future. And our vision statement for this church is, is to grow into a spiritually mature body of believers obediently devoted to the teaching of Scripture. So what are we going to look like in the future? Hopefully we're Christians growing towards spiritual maturity. You know, not and and Scripture tells us that we're not supposed to just keep hearing and learning the milk of Scripture, but we need spiritual food, spiritual solid food. And you can get that here. Our Wednesday night service is like a college-level seminary class. Justin does a great job teaching that and I he, uh, you know his knowledge of Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic is so vast that he has really unpacked scriptures uh, for me and I really do appreciate it but it's not like a college class in that you're locked up in a room trying with somebody trying to impress you with their knowledge Justin really wants you to learn and it's a very relaxed atmosphere so don't let that scare you that it might be a college level class cuz He really intends to teach us. And training up future leaders, future church leaders and and teachers. Uh, We need to do that in the coming year. You know, we have the opportunity to hear this great Bible teaching here, and I hope you'll take advantage of that. And And then I looked at our mission statement. Mission statement is the how. It's how we achieve our vision, how we achieve our purpose. And our mission statement for this church is to impact our culture with a radically apparent biblical worldview. You think about a worldview, that sounds like some big word a professor would use. And uh, so I I want to describe a worldview. What a worldview is, is by definition, it's the sum total of our beliefs about the world. That's the definition. It's about seeing the big picture and how that directs our daily decisions and our daily action. It's how we view uh, everything. Now, if you think about a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview, world you know, we're either viewing the world through the lens of Scripture, as Christians are supposed to do, or we're looking at the world, our worldview is looking at the world as a secular person would. So we're either transforming the world around us by participating with God, or we're contributing to a dark world. You know, we're called to be light in a dark world, and we're either providing light, or we're assisting the darkness. Charles Colson, uh, some people might remember him. He was involved with the Watergate scandal years ago, and then Charles Colson got involved with prison ministries, and he, and he wrote many books. But one of the books that that he Uh, wrote that we studied years ago, and it was a book called How Now Shall We Live? And Charles Colson was talking about a Christian worldview and how to develop a Christian worldview. He says in that book, he says, to become genuine Christian, we need to have a Christian worldview. A Christian worldview is more than a relationship with Jesus as expressed with personal piety church attendance, Bible study, and works of charity. It's more than believing a system of doctrines about God. A Christian worldview is a way of seeing and comprehending all reality. You know, we tend to have a tendency to compartmentalize our life. You know, church is this, our home life is this, our workplace is this. What Chuck Colson is saying is that Our Christian worldview needs to span all aspects of our life. All part of our world uh, should be influenced through this Christian worldview. So then the Christian worldview then is using Scripture as the lens in which we view the world and how we make decisions about the world. And then uh, verse 16, he says, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. And that's really really what I'm praying for myself is I'll make the most of every opportunity. If we want to impact our culture, as our vision statement says, our mission statement, then we need to take advantage of every opportunity. And we never know when that contribution is going to have a huge impact on the world. You look at the people who have, we we term as being great people, and I want to use Billy Graham as an example. And we all we all know Billy Graham, and we know his accomplishments. You know, his ministry has reached absolute millions, if not billions, through his television program. He's written 33 books. The Billy Graham Crusades uh, uh, attracted 210 million people in his career. His staff. Estimate that 3.2 million people accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior during those Billy Graham crusades. The Gallup organization rated him as one of the 10 most admired men in the world, not once, but 61 times. He was a spiritual advisor to 11 presidents, from Truman to Obama, and he won numerous, numerous awards in his career. I think we can all agree that Billy Graham made huge contributions to get God's kingdom. But who was really responsible for that? We know Billy Graham was gifted. God gave him a special gift of, of evangelism, and he had that special calling on him, and it, which, he, which he acted upon. But you think about Billy Graham's life and who contributed to his life? You know, was it, was it Mordecai Ham? Mordecai Ham was an evangelist. Has anybody heard about Mordecai Ham? I'd never heard of him before either. Mordecai Ham was the evangelist that had a revival meeting that Billy Graham went to, and the very first meeting he went to, Billy Graham gave his life to the Lord. But we haven't heard of Mordecai Ham, have we? Or was it Albert McCahen? Albert McCahan was a worker. Billy Graham grew up on a dairy farm. And Albert McCahan was one of the workers on the dairy farm. Albert was the one who invited Billy to go to the revival service that night and gave him a ride in the dairy truck to get there. Was it him? Or was it Albert's mother who used to read Bible stories to him at night? Or was it a salesman called Vernon Patterson? Vernon prayed for years that God would send someone from Charlotte, North Carolina to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Was it Vernon that deserved the awards? Or was it Albert? Or was it Albert's mother? You see, everyone made a small contribution leading up to Billy Graham's Impacting the World in a very powerful way. You know, we're all capable of making those contributions. And we never know what impact those contributions are going to have. Let's make the most of every opportunity. And Paul tells us, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I'm sure most of you are aware of the culture war that's going on in the United States right now. If you think it's bad now, you wait till next year in the election year. It's going, to get, it's going to get tough. It's going to be a very interesting year to see how cultures clash, how Christian worldviews are going to crash with other worldviews. If our mission is to impact our culture with a radically apparent biblical worldview, then we need to understand our biblical worldview, and how we can impact it. Again, the Bible should guide every thought, word, and action. Verse 17 says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You know, that verse starts off saying, therefore. And I learned years ago, if you see the word therefore in, verse, in Scripture, you need to see what it's there for. So you need to look back above it. And see what the word therefore, see what it's referring to. In verse 8, Paul says, because we are now light of the Lord, we need to live as light. We need to be light. We need to be salt. We need to be light in a dark world. And he says, we need to find out what pleases the Lord. And he says, everything that we do will be exposed, shown for what it is. And Paul is telling us not to be Foolish. Not to be foolish, if we're not careful how we live, we'll appear foolish. If we're not living wisely, we'll appear foolish. If we're not making the most of every opportunity, we'll appear foolish. And our mission statement says that we need to have a radically apparent worldview. The world, the rest of the world needs to see that we're sold out to Christ. We need to look, obviously, different. From the rest of the secular world and paul also understood that we were going to be here for just a short time we need to make the most of every opportunity we need to make the most of the time that we have you know sometimes we can get wrapped up in doing so many things and some of those things may appear good but sometimes good things cause us to miss a blessing You'll remember the story in Luke chapter 10 about Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house. And, and Jesus came there and Jesus was outside teaching. And Mary was there at Jesus' feet and she was just soaking up everything that Jesus said. And Martha was inside cooking dinner. And Martha was upset because she was having to do that by herself. And she runs out and she said, you know, kind of, kind of chastised Jesus a little bit. I said, Jesus, don't you know that I'm in here working and Mary's... Mary's out here and you ought to make her come in and help me work. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Mary's doing what Mary needs to do. She's chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her, that opportunity. Now Mary was in making dinner. Was there sin in that? Of course not. There was no sin in, in making dinner, but, but here's the problem. She was so busy that she didn't realize that God was in the house, that God was there. Sometimes we can get so busy that we miss a Jesus moment. We miss one of those opportunities. Like Albert McCaughan. If Albert would have been so busy milking cows and doing other things on a dairy farm and Larry Ray can tell you how busy you are on a dairy farm, and and Eric Bright had a dairy farm. He can tell you how busy you are. He was busy, I'm sure. What if he would have just been too busy and he didn't invite Billy Graham to go to that revival meeting that night? How that might have changed the world. A small opportunity that he took advantage of. And we make the same mistake every day by getting too busy. We get caught up in our everyday activities and And we may miss a a Jesus moment. We may miss an opportunity. An opportunity to make an eternal difference in someone's life. We never know what contribution we might be able to make. And we need to take advantage of every one of those opportunities. Charles Swanson, who's a medical doctor, wrote a book one time talking about medical issues in our society today. And he said, one of the biggest medical issues in our society today is anxiety and stress. Anxiety and stress. You'd think it'd be heart attack, cancer, or something like that, but anxiety and stress. You know, we're just overloaded. He said, we're we're dealing with overload. We're overloaded with commitments. You know, we meet each other, coming and going, and and we just get so busy. We're overloaded with possessions. He says, you know, our garages are full. Our closets are full. We have all these things that we go into debt trying to buy things we think we need, and then, then we, we stay awake at night afraid somebody's going to steal our stuff. We have too much stuff. I'm talking to myself right now. I've got stuff. And we're overloaded with work. We, just, we, we get so concentrated on our work that we sometimes miss those God moments And then today we have an information overload. You know, the internet. You know, we we just are bombarded with all this information. How in the world can we absorb it and use all the information that we have available to us? And that's not all bad. You know, we can use that technology. We could share a gospel with somebody halfway around the earth in a matter of seconds. You know, when Jesus said... You can do greater things than I. He probably knew about the Internet. He probably knew how quickly we could share the gospel uh, in our world. There are so many demands on our time. So many good things that need to be done. Think about all the things that need to be done in a church. How do we accomplish our mission statement? You know, we need to all do our part. We have all been given a gift. I was really excited when we decided to become members of this church over two years ago. We went to a new members class. In that new members class, we did a a spiritual gift survey to analyze what your spiritual gift was and and then, then helped us try to figure out how to implement, how to use that gift. And as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the, common, the gift is not for us. It's for the common good of the church. And That's how we need to use our spiritual gift and how we achieve our purpose. And every opportunity that we have, no matter how insignificant it may seem, if we're using our gift and we're doing things according to Scripture and according to God's will, God's will, it's not going to be insignificant. Nothing we do for the Lord should be considered insignificant. So what are we going to accomplish during this coming year? You know, Thomas Edison said, if we did everything we were capable of doing, we would be literally astonished. If we did everything that we were capable of doing in this church, we would change the world. If everyone would use their gift uh, where God has called them to use it, we would, we would change this community for sure. And I can't tell you what you're going to accomplish in the coming year. I just don't know that. I don't have that wisdom. But I can tell you that if we would use our gift, we would, we would make some really significant contributions to God's kingdom. We'd be literally astonished, amazed, at what we would accomplish. And it's easy to get in a rut. It's easy to get a rut becoming a spectator rather than a participant. It's so easy to show up at church and be a spectator. But we need to be participants. Make the most of every opportunity. If you see an opportunity, do it. Paul's telling us there in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, don't waste your time on foolish things. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Then he goes on to say, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what could we accomplish? What are we going to do with the 8,760 hours we have in the coming year? What are we going to use those for? We need to speak to one another with encouragement. Support each other with kind, encouraging words. As the Scripture says, if we can't think of anything to say, sing. You can really get people's attention if you start singing to them. They start listening. I wish I had a voice like Richard's, but I don't. But when I start singing, people pay attention. You may think, what's that noise? Ask yourself, how can I help? How can I help this body of believers further our purpose and our vision and our mission in this community. We need to ask ourselves that. How can I do that? What is my gift? We need to take time to find out what our gift is. And then, how do I apply that gift? How do I help this body of believers achieve what we want to achieve? And I promise myself I'm going to make that my new year's resolution and as it says in acts i'm going to use that to teach others to have more true fellowship invite someone to your home for that breaking of bread that we're commanded to do pray for each other get involved with a small group i've always advocated people get involved with a small group within a small group is when you really start to learn the problems that people are dealing with you start to learn about people's gifts you start to learn about how we can uh, hold each other accountable how we can support each other how we can encourage each other so I, I i strongly suggest you get involved with a connection group or a home bible study group that we have around the community attend wednesday night bible study and then study the Scriptures on your own. I've said this many times. I grew up in a Christian home. I'm glad of that. Really thankful of that. And we went to church every Sunday. But I didn't study the Scriptures myself. Looking back, I guess I thought the preacher was going to tell me everything I needed to know. And we need to study that personally so that we have personal knowledge. You know, if it's our desire to impact our culture We need to provide a place to believe, a place to belong, and a place to become. We need to accomplish those three things. A place to believe. You know, maybe you're here this morning and maybe you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You know, maybe you've never submitted to Him and committed your life to Him. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm tired of dealing with the same old life that I've been dealing with, the same old problems that I've had to deal with every day, and you realize that you can't handle those in your own strength. Maybe you feel God calling you this morning. Today might be that day of salvation for you. This is a great place to believe. You'll be supported by a lot of love here this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you're already a born-again believer, but you don't feel like you belong. Or maybe you just moved in the community and you're looking for a church home. This is a great church home, I can tell you that. You'll be loved, you'll be loved and supported by people. And, and again, we have many opportunities for a small group to get involved with, to, to really get acquainted with people and develop relationships. You know, Maybe you're looking for a place that you want to become everything that God has intended for you where the Bible is taught and where you can grow and where your gift can develop and where you can use that spiritual gift. You know, there are people uh, all over this community that need a place to believe and a place to belong and a place to become what God has intended them for to, to become. There will be people over here by these double doors after, after the service, during the invitation time, that will share with you. You can just tell them whatever problem you're dealing with. Maybe you want to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. They can talk you through that process and support you in that decision. You know, maybe something isn't going on in your life. You just want, you just want to share with someone. You just want to unburden that off your chest and and tell somebody about that and get their support. If you know, they'll be over here uh, during that invitation hymn and at the end of the service and. I just pray that you just take advantage of that opportunity that we provide every Sunday morning. And I, and I run across this. I just want to share with, this, with you uh, about the coming year that you'd have enough happiness to keep you sweet, enough trials to keep you strong, enough sorrow to keep you human, enough hope to make you happy, enough failure to keep you humble, enough success to keep you eager, enough friends to give you comfort, enough wealth to meet your needs, enough enthusiasm to make you look forward to tomorrow, and enough determination to make each day better than the day before. Let's make 2020 the best year ever in this church. We have the opportunity. We have a lot of talent in this church. And I and I just... Like Peter, you just need to get out of the boat sometimes. Step out in faith. As we leave today, and, I, and as we're all filing out, I want, I want everyone to just take the opportunity to encourage one another. Hug on somebody. Talk to someone. Find out how they're really doing. We have a tendency to pass in the night and say, How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Behind every smile, there's a story. Find out what's really going on in people's lives. Encourage them in that regard. And pray for each other. Pray for our church leaders. Pray for our community. Pray for the lost people. There's that old adage about, you know, pray to God about a person before you talk to that person about God. Talk to God about that person before you talk to that person about God. You know, we started a campaign here a while back a few years in the, in the Southern Baptist uh, deal is uh, who's your one? You know, if we would just take one person and we would just start praying for them, lifting them up to God, asking God to grant them that gift of peace, as it says in Ephesians 2, who's your one? Who's your one person? In this coming year, let's all pick one person and just start praying for them.